0: The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning, Park Church. Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 96. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you. And if you don't have one at home, we'd love for you to take that one with you as a gift from Park Church. Or if you're a new believer, if you're new to the Christian faith, we have a Bible specifically for you over at the info table. I'll be there after the service. We'd love to give you that as a gift as well. Again, Psalm 96. And if you're using that pewback Bible, that's page 499. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary." Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, well good morning. Good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into... The House of the Lord, uh, my name is Miguel Warren, and I have the privilege to to serve as the Director of Community here at park church and if you 're new here i 'm um, glad you're here it's not by accident that God allowed you to be here on this day, so praise God for you. I have two announcements um, here that I want to briefly talk about one um, again, if you're new, welcome i 'm glad you came to worship with us. Um, we have what is called introductions right after service so if you go down this hall that is to your left my right you'll see a sign that says introductions Um, one of our staff members will be there to uh, just about 10 minutes just tell you a little bit about park and uh, who we are and what we're doing here in the city and uh, just ask any question that that you may have too so please um, go to introductions after the service down this hall for those who are new or feel new here. Uh, secondly, if Park is your home, if you call Park your your Park Church your uh, church home, um, we ask you to give in three ways. One is give with your time and just serve here. We, uh, there's a lot of service needs that to, to pull off and to serve God's body effectively. And um, despite what you think, uh, you matter, and uh, how you serve does matter and it impacts the kingdom. Uh, secondly, we ask that you give financially. Um, We ask that to give so that God's kingdom can be advanced and we support um, just missions and other endeavors and be able to help serve our local church here and other churches across the world. So please commit giving uh, financially. And then lastly, um, we ask you to give your life to live on mission. So wherever God has placed you to live, live on mission there for God's kingdom and impact the lives that he has a place uh, that he's placed around you. Amen. Amen. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and let's get into God's Word. I'm reminded how busy life can get. So because of that, let's just take a moment to slow our hearts down, our minds down, and remember who we're praying to, a God that cares, a God that loves you, that desires to hear from you. Lord, we come here now. Many of us, some of us come in here on high because life is great, things are going well. But then some of us come in here broken, worried, stressed about life because something, not sure how some things are going to be hashed out. But God, you invite us and you tell us to come and lay our burdens to you, Father. So in this moment, whatever's on our heart, whatever's on our mind, whatever's occupying us, Father, I just pray that we will just, in our hearts, lay them before you right now. That we will lay them at the foot of the cross because you invite us to come. Holy Spirit, pour out your Spirit upon us here today, God. Help us to behold you in your glory and your goodness as we dive into your word, Lord. God, I stand here weak in need of you, and I pray, Father, that your power will be made strong in my weakness, as your word says. So I pray that those who feel like they're weak, Lord, I pray that, that's a good, I pray that they realize that's a great spot to be in, because the glory and power of you will be displayed in their lives. So God, your word here is living and active. We're expecting, God. We're expecting you to move. We're expecting you to change lives, to breathe life to dead souls, Father. To ignite in the heart of those who need to be ignited, Lord. To encourage and to rebuke and to, uh, and, and to bring to salvation, God. Your, work is, your word is living and active. And I pray we never forget that. So, God, under the sound of my voice... Let them see not me merely as, not as an entertainer, but one who stands before you proclaiming thus says the Lord just as much as they need you. I need you all the more too. So God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And collectively we all together said, amen. Amen. You know, here in about a couple months, on Sunday, it's going to be about 80,000 plus people across various states of the United States that's packing stadiums, cheering on their favorite team. And they're going to come, and they're going to come to this event because they love what they see, they love their team, regardless if they was raised up to, to love this team or care for the team, whatever the case may be, they come and they praise whatever's taking place on this field. And then whether win, lose, or draw, in that moment, as we're praying, as we're praising, we're high-fiving people we don't know, taking selfies with folks we don't know, all because we have a common goal that we want to see the team that we have win. Then after the event is over, what happens is we go home and we watch that same event on ESPN. I'm, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling on myself now, all right? And we watch the same thing that we just saw. We sit there, we analyze, and we feel the emotions of what we just seen there. Then we take what we just saw in person and watched on TV. Then we go to work. We talk about it at work. We are the masterminds that every team needs to hire because we have all the answers on how they could win and defeat everything. <laughs> but the point is, is that for me, That's what my heart will be drawn to sometimes, if I'm honest, when that season comes. For me, it's sports. For you, what draws your heart? What do you sing mostly about? What do you praise mostly about in life? Because the truth is, the truth is, where your heart is, praise and worship will be too. Where your heart is, praise and worship will go forth. And here's the reason why. God has created us to be people that praise and worship. So for you to say that, hey, I don't know how to do it. Uh, no, 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 that's not me. Or I will not do it. I will not praise and worship. That is simply not true. The reality of it is because how God has wired and created us to praise and worship Him, the reality is we are going to do it. The question asked here is who or what do you praise the most? Just ask yourself that question. If you did an inventory of this past week, what did you spend most of the time praising? And what I'm saying is that what really had the ultimate value in your life? And the truth is, because the fall took place in Genesis 3, we all are prone to go and worship and praise something other than our God. And the Psalms here, the Psalms that we're going to dig into today, is going to remind us of one simple truth here. If I can sum it up for you in a sentence. It is. The Lord is the only and great and glorious God who is worthy of our highest praise and worship. Therefore, we are called to praise and worship our God. And oftentimes we need to be reminded of who we ought to praise and why we ought to praise and how we ought to praise. And we'll see here in this Psalms, there's gonna be two movements, but what it's gonna do is gonna show us why and how we ought to praise God because He is better and to worship the Lord because He reigns. And understand here, our praise and our worship should not be an indicative of our circumstance, right? When things aren't going well, whether good or bad, that should not be the determining factor of our praise and worship to who God is. If anything, the circumstances of life, whether good or bad, should draw our eyes to be fixated on the glorious God to worship Him because He is worthy. And if we're honest, we live in a time where we're so distracted by everything else. Our life matters, right? I want what I want. I need what I need. And what happens is, is that our praise to God is so low and it has such a low threshold is because we fail to behold our God. We fail to behold him. Colossians 3, 2 tells us that we are to set our minds on things above. And hear me when I say this. When we behold our God, our only response will be praise to him. It will be. So, as I said before, I'll say it again. In this passage, the psalmist is going to show us why and how we ought to praise God because he is better— And to worship the Lord because He reigns. Look with me at why we praise Him because He's better. Excuse me, because He is better. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me here. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Notice here, this psalm's here, and it starts out with an invitation here. It is inviting us to come and sing praises and worship to our great God. And just a little bit, these psalms are filled with imperative here. So really, this invitation is a matter of a command in itself. Oh, y'all know how that is. When you have a volunteer work that you can choose to come to, But in reality, that's an invitation of saying, you better be there, or whatever the case may be. And so here, he's inviting us here to sing and to praise to our God. And you see it mentioned three times. So that that lets us know this is an important issue. And then it says we are to sing to the Lord, and the Lord is here mentioned three times. And we are to sing this new song in praise to the triune God. That means God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because they have been in work from the beginning of time up until this very moment under the sound of my voice, and will still be at work in eternity when it comes. So this is an important issue here, praise. So you ask the question, okay, we, I get it, pray, sing. Okay, now what are we supposed to do? The text reminds us, and it tells us how and what we're supposed to sing here. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. What is this new song? You're like, hey, I, I'm not a composer here. I can't, I don't have the skills. I'm not Pastor Joel. I can't write and compose some songs. No, the song is already written for us but what it is is that we're singing it's a 2 phone song that we're singing here. One, we're singing about the inaugural coming of our king that will reign and rule in his second coming. Whether you like it or not whether people believe it or not Christ is coming back again. Can't wait. But here it reminds us, Revelations 5 9 says, and sing the new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, excuse me, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people and nation here. Our hope in this new song is rooted in a fresh appreciation that the Lord controls the world. On the flip side, that new song that we ought to sing here is to ma- this praise is to match the fresh mercies that we receive from the Lord every morning. Oh, think about it. How many times? Has anybody ever sinned and felt horrible, only wishing the next day to come, just so it, you wishing it never happened? And granted, we can't wish things away, but when we forgive, but when we ask for forgiveness and confess because of who God is, get this, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Think about that. The moment someone wrongs you one time, you're done with them. You're like, I'm not fooling with that person. It'll take you months, maybe uh, years to even speak to that person, depending on what it is. But praise God that our God is not like us, that he gives us new mercies every morning. And because of that, because of that, we ought to praise his name. Praise God for that, this new song we sing to him, we thank him because of it. So not only do we sing this new song, we see in the text, it tells us to bless His name. It says, bless His name. And here's what's interesting. The reality of it is, is that we don't deserve the blessings the stuff that God gives us. The grace, the mercy that He constantly bestows upon you and I, at His very core we do not deserve, because regardless of what we think, the best on our best day is like filthy rags before a holy and pure God. And so, when we say bless his name, what are we getting at? We're realizing, hey, God, I don't deserve all that you are and who that you, and, and, and what you do in my life. But here's what we do when we bless his name it simply means, and it's simple for is to praise him. We are to speak well and say appropriate things about God's goodness and greatness. Again, it's not a matter of if we're praised or not. The question is, are we going to praise God as the rightful God in his rightful place that he deserves? Bless his name. Blessed, say appropriate things. And it tells us here in the text, it drops down in verse 2. He says, uh, as he says, sing uh, sing to the Lord, bless his name. Then it says, tell of his salvation from day to day. That means we're going to say appropriate things about the goodness of God and his salvific work. Tell. That's why we get this word like evangelize. It means to proclaim. That means you have good news to announce. Good news to announce. One, the salvation that He saved us. We were in our darkness and yet God in His infinite love for us sent His Son Jesus to die for us and when we placed our hope in Him, He tranced us from the dominion of darkness to His righteousness of light. So eternally we tell of His salvation for what He has done in our lives. But also to think about this, do not underestimate the testimony of your life. Because it says, tell of his salvation from day to day. So we tell about his salvific work and what he has done and how he has redeemed us, but also tell about the times when he saved you when you didn't think you were going to make it. When you were so frustrated because you couldn't get out the house, but only to come to find out that there was a major accident that you probably would have been a part of. Or whatever the case may be, God's salvific work does not stop the moment you put your hope and trust in who Jesus is. It doesn't stop. He is constantly and He will save us from day to day until Christ returns. So we have a reason to tell and proclaim the goodness of God. And notice here, the, notice the rhythm. It is a relationship to you and the Father. You're singing a new song and you're blessing his name, but then you look on and it says we are to tell of his salvation. So now there is a relationship with you and the Father and our praise should include an outward proclamation of him to others. It's not a matter of if you want to talk to people. See, we, want to, we pick and choose who we want to talk to and what we want to talk about. But let me tell you something here. We live in a time and a day where the world does not have a problem with telling you what they believe. And so here we ought to tell of the goodness and the salvation work of who God is. And it is to to declare His glory. It says declare, in verse 3, declare His glory among the nations. That means it, it should not be just kept to us. Because here's the thing, we like to praise, we like to talk about great things. And there's nothing wrong with that. The question is, do we praise and talk about God all the more with our lives than anything else? And understand this, interesting here, when it talks about His uh, marvelous works, it really is translated here, wonders, which then comes down to His miracles. Let me tell you here today, if The Lord has saved you, regardless of how dark your story is or not. Even if it's like, well, I kind of grew up in a Christian home and nothing went well today, you know, and I just happened to accept Jesus. Let me tell you something here. That is a miracle because you have a divine God that came and intervened in your life and then took you from the darkness of dominion and then placed you in his dominion kingdom. That, my people, is a miracle. Man cannot do that. And so because of that, because of His marvelous work in your life, proclaim Him, praise His name. Hear me when I say this, don't underestimate the testimony and the work that the Father is doing in your life. Because it is great work that He is doing, regardless of how mundane it is. Proclaim and praise, tell of His great name. And it says from day to day in the text, and here's what's interesting with this. It's not to be just a one day and that's it, right? It's not to be like the Facebook memories that happen, right? Many of us will log on our Facebook today and it will say, this memory happened this day a year ago. And many of us repost that to show what happened. No, it's not just a one time, let me just talk about it here and there. It's from day to day. It's to be constantly spoken of in our lives. This song, this praise that we are to sing, it's like timeless music. It's like timeless music. No matter the music that you play, whether you heard it 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 1 year ago, there's some music that's timeless. And what I mean by timeless is that when you put it on and when you hear it, it moves and hits you in your soul the same way you heard it the first time. You'd be like, oh, that's my jam right there. Start Millie Rock or whatever the case may be. It don't matter what it is. You're like, oh, we grew up on this song. You don't, and it hits us the same way. It hit, you're like, oh, this is good. The truth is, is that, and not only is it good, we have a deeper, sometimes we even have a, a deeper appreciation for the music now that we're a little older. Right? Because now, whatever music you grew up on, you go, listen, this, this ain't music today. Let me tell you what music was back in the day. <laughs> right? You're like, this is music right here. And what I'm saying is that God and who He is is timeless. His work, His majesty, His goodness, it is timeless, and therefore it should move us daily. Daily it shall move us. Now, as we've seen here this invitation to praise God, we'll we'll move to verses 4 through 6. We'll tell us here why, right? Why are we to praise our God? Look what it says here in verse 4. It says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, verse 5, for all gods of the peoples— are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Notice in verse 4 it says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Notice it says is. The Lord didn't have to become great. He didn't have to do what many people did just months ago where they had to work hard enough at getting good grades so that they can graduate with honors, so that they can graduate with the summa cum laude, which means the highest praise, the highest honor in the education world. See, he didn't have to work like that. The scripture says he is. So before time began, God is, was, and currently is great. And therefore, he is greatly too be praised. And then what's interesting here is that it uses this contrast. It, it compares and contrasts the, 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 the gods, the lowercase g, with the one true God. And really this, it says this, these gods are worthless idols. So it's a play on, here these, this word God is really called Elalim. In the Hebrew, meaning their imitation, they're they're worthless, they're hollow, they're empty. These idols that are made by human hand are empty. They have no life in themselves. They're not the real Elohim, they're not the real Lord. Because notice in the text it says that they're worthless, but the Lord made the heavens here. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4 tells us it says, We know an idol is nothing in the world. The Lord made the heavens. That means, which is nothing can do nothing, right? These idols can't do anything because they are nothing. They can't make anything. They have no life in them. Isaiah 42, 5, it tells us, it says, Thus says the Lord, the God who created the heavens and stretched out, excuse me, stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walks in it. The Lord here created the heavens, not the worthless idols that we have the propensity to run to or create in our lives. Well, okay. Okay. You say, that's good, I get it. The Lord created the heavens, this is true. Let's bring this a little bit more personal here. Take a moment, I I, I encourage you to do this. Go home and write, God is, and then fill in the blank. But don't just do it one time. Really, think about it. God is. And this list I'm about to read to you is a very minimal, not even scratching, a micro inch of what, who God is. Think about this. It says, here's why he's worthy to be praised over these false idols, over these worthless, empty idols. God is a sustainer. He is one who provides. He is impartially merciful. He is all-powerful. He is a healer. He is a comforter. He is a very present help in trouble. He is patient. He is gracious to us. He is merciful. As I said, He's a protector, a way maker when there isn't a way. He is a just Judge. He guards and he guides. He is a sinner savior. He supplies strength to the weak. He is a loving father. He forgives and he is omnipresent at all times. And though people may change, jobs may change, money gets funny. Nobody wants to be in your presence. We have a God who is immutable, meaning he doesn't change at all. So because of that, he is worthy to be praised. When we, think about this, when we, these idols that we have, the, the Galatians, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 tells us that if we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify, we will not carry out the, uh, the desires of our flesh. And remember what I said earlier, we have the propensity, we are prone to become, to worship idols, to worship anything other than God in his rightful place. But I love here it says that if we walk by the Spirit, when your life is in line with who God is, when you behold the goodness of who God is, the text reminds us that we will not carry out the desires of our flesh. So I don't want to act like we're not human here and we don't struggle and wrestle with things. No, we do. We have a sinful nature. But God and His Holy Spirit and His power that is imparted to you, you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to not worship these idols but yet worship the God who is worthy to be praised. And the reality of it is, is that when we, when we fail to stay in line with the Spirit and, and, and with our Father, the, these idols, these ones that we entertain, the reality is they lead us away from God, who is the true source of life. God is a true source of life, and these idols are worthless and they're meaningless. So you have to ask yourself the question what do you run to? What idols have you built up that you stacked or that you won to, that you praise in your life? Think about it. when life is bad, when, especially when things go bad, right? We have a time, we, we do this thing where we go, hey, the husband ain't acting right the wife ain't just on the same page right now. Kids is acting up. My job is demanding so much from me, but they're giving me so little pay. So what do we say? You know what? I'm going to go do something that gives me what? Life. For some of it, it may be going to shopping. Some of it, it may be eating. Some of it, it may be just like, you know what? I just want to sit here in front of Netflix and do nothing and just binge watch all eight seasons. And here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we, uh, that we don't have natural things to struggle. I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy the things of the world. But what happens is, is that we praise and we entertain these idols, whatever they may be in your life. And we go to them for life-giving sources when things are tough. And yet, instead of praising and going to the one who is the giver of life himself. We're prone to it. And here's my thing, part. I'm praying for this for part. I pray we do not become a church that Jesus speaks of in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, where he tells them, he says, Hey, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. See, this Psalms is not just a matter of words. But it is actually, it is actually the words uh, that, that are working in our souls as we behold the reverent God himself. It's working in us. It's not just merely words. And I'm praying that we don't be a people that just give lip service, but that our proclamation is matched with our lives as well. We want to be one who proclaims the goodness of God and our lives displays it as well. So I ask you again, who or what is getting your highest praise in life right now? So now we move, we just saw here why we are to praise Jesus because he is better. Verse 7 through 13 is going to point us to the wor- how we are to worship the Lord because he reigns. Because he reigns. Look what it says here in verse 7. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor and holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Hear me when I say this. What we give in life matters. And this idea of giving is simply is we are to name and give a quality that it belongs to to someone so we give it its name. For example, you would say a deer is very fast and moves gracefully because that's what a deer is. They move, they're fast and they move gracefully. And we are to give, meaning we are to humbly give credit and acknowledge, acknowledgement to God for his attributes and his characteristics that only belongs to him. And here's the thing, it's not that we can actually give God glory and strength, because we don't have that ability to bestow God. But when we fail to, um, when we fail to behold him, what we can do and what can happen is we will start to dem- for him to demand things for our lives, like we are God and we need to have the glory that needs to be bestowed upon us because my life matters and my happiness is more important than anything else in the world. But the idea is here that we want to give unto the Lord here. Um, is Isaiah 42 reminds us, 42.8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, the glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved uh, idols. We have to be reminded here that the Lord, that we are to give to him, acknowledge how great and good he is, in spite of where we are in life whether good or bad. We have to remember that everything is His, that He is the Creator, and we are His creation. And we ought to do it, if anything else, because the text tells us it is due His name. Think about it. People turn down jobs because they feel like they're due a certain amount of worth. Someone said, hey, I'm going to pay you $12 to do whatever. You go, no, 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 no. I'm worth more than that. And we will let it be known. And we are to give glory that is due his name because he's worth every ounce of our praise and glory in our lives. He's worth it. Regardless of whatever is taking place in life, regardless of what he's feeling, he is worth it, and it is due his name. But here's what I love about this. You may hear say, I get it. We're supposed to give to the Lord. But what happens when I ain't feeling right? You know, I'm not as eloquently, I can't speak well, or, uh, you know, I, I, I still got some issues that I'm dealing with in life. You don't understand the dark places in my life. But here's the beauty of it. The text tells us, it says, bring an offering and come. Let that resonate for a minute. Bring an offering and come. And this idea of bringing an offering is really saying, hey, bring your best. Wherever you are right now, whatever, whatever you have, come. Bring that to the Father and come to him. Because of the finished work of Jesus, as Hebrew tells us, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. So don't think that you got to be polished up and you got to have it all together. In this life, you're going to walk with a limp. And what happens is that you just come limping, broken in all, and bring your offering, bring the best you got. Because even if you think you got it going on, remember scripture says, your best day is like filthy rags. So regardless, Come to the Father because there's room for everyone. We have an all-powerful God. And regardless of what you have going on to your life, come, bring who you are. He doesn't require you to be polished. He doesn't, he doesn't care about your resume looking all squeaky clean. He says, come because I love you and I will give you rest and you will experience the fullness that I have to offer on this side of eternity and eternity call. Come. Come. And I love it when it says we ought to bring an offering. It says worship Him in splendor and holiness. Think about, this. look at this. Beauty to Him is in the life of holiness that we are attempting to live. Moral and spiritual beauty from within, from within, is what moves our God. See, what happens is that when he looks at us, he sees the garment of righteousness that has been placed on us by the blood of Jesus, instead the garments of our sins. And so therefore, we are to worship him in splendor and holiness, really it's in, in holy attire. And the holy attire is that he sees us and we're clothed with the linen of Jesus, that we've been washed with his blood, so that when we go and worship him and we come broken in awe... When Satan's trying to say, hey, he's not holy. Hey, look at these charges I have against him. He will say, no, I see the blood of my son and therefore he is righteous and holy. So worship him. Praise his holy name. And remember, even though you have not great wealth to offer him, offer him your, offer him your best. Who you are, right where you are. Offer it to him. Our God wants and need, he doesn't need that. Excuse me. He wants and invites us to do that because he loves us. So we see here in verse ten, as we have this, as we keep moving along here, it says, "Say among the nations, the Lord reigns." Interesting. Here, if you look throughout the text, it says you'll see tell. It's, it, you will see words like tell, uh, sing all to the earth. Tell all the people. We ought, to, we ought to tell all the earth. We ought to sing among the nations. Hear me. Our praise shall be an outward proclamation of who God is. God is inviting us to say, hey, He reigns, he rules, and let me say this here, regardless of your political stance, we are living in a time where we're thinking Democrats or Republican rules, let me tell you something here, the Lord reigns, regardless, and this is not to pick for who, what side is what, because we have that freedom, but let's make something here, his reign, his rule belongs to him, not some political party. He reigns in rules, and He's coming, as the rest of the text said, He's coming to judge. You look at verse 10, He says, yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. And when you look at verse 10 through 13, what it is saying is that God's reign is a judgment of recompense and restoring humanity, excuse me, harmony... Where there is disharmony, the Lord will set things right in affairs of both human and nature and between human and nature here. All this international chaos that is going on, the Lord is going to settle effectively and manage his reign and rule on the earth that is to come. But notice in here, verse 10 through 13, you see the word judge three times. And then you see he comes twice. You got to pay attention to things. They're pointing something out to us. And here's the thing. We worship him because he reigns. This word, this is reminding us here that guess what? He's coming to judge. And praise God for that. Because we live in a time where we see injustices and we scratch our head and we say, how long, Lord? How long? But know that we can, we can celebrate and worship and praise Him because He's coming as judge, which is great news. And notice here, in the text, when you look at it, it, says, it, it talks about creation. The seas are roaring in their field and, and that the trees in the forest will sing with joy even in the mist of a fallen and broken world creation has a way of uh, of worshiping and praising God because they know because the creation groans and longs for the day of Christ coming but they have joy because they know he is coming and so Praise God that he's going to come and he's going to judge the world and everything will be in, in its proper order, and harmony. He will wipe away every tears from our eyes. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more death. Death will, no, will, will be done away with. Praise God for that. But let's make something clear. Before he came as judge, he came as a savior. John, and I'm glad he came as a savior first because had he came as a judge first, All of us in this room will be right in line, one by one, on our way for eternal damnation, separated from God. Because we would have to give an account for our sins. But praise God that he came as a savior first. John 3, 16, one of the most quoted that that we learned probably as a baby first, the first scripture, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the problem is that we stop right there. Look at verse, 7, verse 17 says in John chapter 3, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but who does not believe is condemned already, because He has not believed in the name of the only Son. And although the earth groans and is praising God for its anticipation to come and we should and we're doing the same thing, we're like, God, I'm praising you. It's hard. It's tough right now. You need to come. And to be honest, I hope he comes right now while I'm preaching. That would be great news. That would be great news. Bye-bye, Stu loans. See ya. <laughs> come on. But, but here's this. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 reminds us that the Lord is not slow to fill his, pro- his promise. No, what, he, what he's doing is he's giving, he's patient towards us, and he's not wishing that any would perish, that they shall, be, uh, that they shall reach repentance. So I say to you today that if the Lord is your Savior and, he's your, and, and you put your hope and trust in who Jesus is, praise God, he's coming. We can praise that he is coming as a judge and he's going to write everything that needs to be uh uh, everything that's wrong right but if he is not your lord and savior there is no rejoicing in that because you will have to stand before god and give an account for your sins but praise god that he is slow there's that tension you want him to come back you want him to come quick and we should live in a life of anticipation of him coming back but let's make something clear he's patient because he desires none to perish And so if you sit here under the sound of my voice and you have not put your hope and trust in who Jesus is, I'm telling you right now, you don't want to experience him as that judge because we will be eternally separated from him. And so we ask you to put your hope and trust in who he is. But if he is your Lord and Savior, praise God that the Lord reigns. So I ask you this question. Who and what do you praise the most in your life today? Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all that you do. Thank you that you send your son Jesus to die on our cross, to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you're coming to judge. Thank you that um, you give us new songs to sing, that we are to bless Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.